Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Good morning, church. How are you today? Are you feeling good? If you are, give it a clap. Welcome, welcome. So glad you're here. Welcome to all the guests that are with us today. If this is your first time, I certainly hope it's not your last time and you'll come back and be with us. Amen? Amen. Well, listen, we are in a series called FAQ, which is Frequently Asked Questions. And we developed this series back in January. We gave a survey out to our church and we asked you, what topics would you like for us to talk about? We asked what questions you have about the Bible. And so in January, you gave us all these topics and then we turned it into a series. And so today we're just working through the things that are most important to you. So week one, we talked about how to understand the Bible. Last week, we talked about how to understand end times. Are we in the end times? And, and I felt like last week that because of the things going on in culture and the, I, just the craziness that's out there, that the older generation was like, hey, is this it? And so I feel like today's topic is from the younger generation because they see the same thing the older generation sees. And what they're saying is, is how do I raise my children in the 21st century? So that brings me to my topic today. The question today is how to raise amazing children. And so we're going to talk about that today. Um, I will tell you that, uh, you know, this, this message today is for parents and it's for foster parents, it's, it's for aunts and uncles and grandparents, to, to anybody that feels the weight of responsibility of equipping your child, equipping an infant or a middle or a high school student for life. And so that's what we're all about, helping equip our children for life, how to raise amazing children. Now, Harriet and I, we're blessed. We have two amazing children. We're so thankful for our two children. Um, they, they have grown up and they still act like they like us, which is great. Um, I think they do. They act like it. They keep hanging out with us, and so that's good. Um, no, they really do love us, and we're so proud of our children. They both are married, and we love their spouses, and, um, and so things are great there. I will tell you, though, that the most fun thing that we have going for us with our children is that my son Eli and his wife have given us a grandbaby, and so, um, listen, we've decided that little grandbaby haven, um, the reason you want to have children is so you can have grandbabies. That's what it's all about right there. So um, have babies. That's why you want to do it because at some point you get the grandbabies and it's awesome. So um, listen, I want to dive into this today because I believe family is God's plan. I believe family is, is what God just planned for humanity and his design for a man and a woman is to marry and and raise children to honor God and make a contribution to society. And then hopefully they have their own family. And, and so that's just, that's just God's plan. And, and we read about it in the book of Genesis. The Bible says that God blessed them. This is Adam and Eve. And he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it. 
And so God blessed Adam and Eve. And he said, this is, I'm so, you know, like blessing this marriage and this uniting of this husband and a wife. And then he said, go make babies, like do that and raise amazing children. And so listen, I want you to know that raising children is not easy. We'll get into that in a minute, but I do believe that's probably why God made making babies so much fun so that we would populate the earth. Amen to that. Come on, people, lighten up in here. All the young men, you're like, yes, that's right. Um, so listen, I also want to say to you, it's okay to be a little awkward in here, it's all right. Hey, I also want to say that adoption is also God's idea for family. Uh, he modeled this, yes, thank you. You can give a clap for that. He modeled this in his adoption of us as to become children of God. And so, um, listen, I'm gonna have two parts to my message today. And the first part is going to be really an encouragement to parents. And I just wanna encourage parents. The second part of my message are 10 points of just practical advice. And so the first part is gonna be sound biblical, you know, things that, that you can apply in your life and just be encouragement to you. The second part, really may in some way come out of just our experiences, Harriet and mine experiences of, of parenting. And so I'm gonna give you those, those bits of advice. You don't have to do them, that's fine. You can, you can do with what you want. Um, the first part you have to do because it's in the Bible, all right? So, um, so we're gonna go from here, but let me encourage the parents first and let you know that, that children are a blessing from God. Uh, listen, the Bible says in Psalm 127.3 that children are a gift. In other words, God has blessed you with children. It's a gift from the Lord. But before I move on, I, I just feel the need to recognize that with many parents, there is pain associated with the topic. And when we talk about parenting and there are hurts that are there because you hear this verse about, you know, children are a gift and they're a they're a blessing from God, and, and you may not have that in the totality of your experience. And maybe you're here today, and, and maybe you've, you've, you've lost a child, and, and you're in, in heartache about that. And maybe you have, maybe some of you haven't maybe spoken to a child, one of your children, in, in a couple of years, and you feel the, you feel the separation of that. Maybe some of you have children that are, are struggling in some area of life and maybe it's like with an addiction or something and, and you, you, you feel the pain of, of the, the struggles from your children and you, you feel the pain of watching them go through it. Maybe some of you are here and you've been unable to conceive a child and, and you feel the, the loss of that and the, the, the hopeless or helplessness of that and Maybe you're here as a single mom or dad and, and you're, you feel overwhelmed in your moment. And so I don't wanna just jump into a topic like this and say children are a blessing from God and, and not recognize that there are a lot of experiences in the room at one time. And, and my, par my, my pastoral heart is for you in your place of pain. And, and I want you to know that I'm deeply sorry for those places that are there and my heart goes out to you and I pray for you and I wanna lift you up today. And my prayer is that God comfort you even in this message today, but, but just knowing that you can draw into God and he will walk you through these difficult seasons. And, and I want you to know this too, that, that 
in your circumstance of, of if there's a hurt or a pain there, I want you to know that God doesn't love you any less. He, he didn't look at someone else and say, good for you and, and bad for you. And, and I don't want you to feel that way with God. And I mean, the reality is, is we live in a broken world and there are so many heartaches on this side of heaven. And so I just want you to know before I dive into this, I, I recognize all of the places people are and, and I love you and I'm praying for you and I pray for God's comfort as we walk through this today. But also I, I want to recognize that the Bible does give us a perspective on parenting and that children are a gift from God and it's a blessing. And, and, and I want all the young parents that are here that have younger children to, to understand that children are a blessing at every age. You may not feel that right now. You may be like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. And are they a blessing? And, and yes, I'm telling you, they are a blessing. And, and, and listen, just as a point of advice, can I say, don't wish away these early years. Don't just go, man, I can't wait till they get a little older and this and this. And listen, just be present in every moment and every season and embrace and enjoy your children. And, and I heard this quote the other day, and, and for those young parents that are in here, and I heard this quote, and the quote was this, that said that the days are long, but the years are short. Meaning that, that often when you're in the middle of parenting, you're like, wow, this is the longest day. These are the longest times, and will I ever get through that? And, and I want you to know that the days are long, but you'll discover later that the years are short because just in the blink of an eye, you're gonna be having a, a party for your seven-year-old daughter, and you're gonna be like, wow, how did that happen? In the blink of an eye, you're gonna have a high school student. In the blink of an eye, they're gonna be waving to you out the door, and, and all that can happen so quick. And, and I really just don't want you to miss the moments with your children because God has given them to you for you to raise them, but also just to enjoy and, and just, gosh, just be a part of it. In their life, in your life, children are amazing. They're a blessing from God. Now, as they are heading out the door, you may wonder, have I done all this right? Did I, did I make any mistakes? And, and I want to tell you, no, you have not done it all right. Have you made some mistakes? Absolutely. And that's why I want to share with you the second thing here, that raising children, it's a challenge. Raising children, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not easy. Yes, they're a blessing, but wow, this is not an easy season for, for you to raise children. And there are so many outside pressures that, that parents feel in their sleepless nights and stress, even stress in marriages from trying to raise children and balancing family and balancing work and balancing church and then all the activities and and then, listen, raising children, it's expensive. And so you, you deal with all of that. But I want to help you reframe this, this thought about the challenges because the Bible tells us that raising children is a valuable experience. That children are valuable. The Bible says in Psalms 127, verse 3, it says, children are a heritage from the Lord. Our offspring are a reward from Him. And both the thought, the concept of heritage and reward 
are to be understood as great value. A heritage, something that is passed on from generation to generation, something of value is passed on. A reward is something from hard work, and both of these are meant to be valuable. So the Bible says that children are a value given to us from the Lord. They're a reward. It's valuable. And so I want to say to all the parents in the room today that raising children is the most valuable thing you will ever do. Amen. Thank you for that. Woo! It is. It's the most valuable thing you will ever do. But while you're in the middle of these challenges, you're like, okay, I need a little help. Let me say to you that, that raising amazing children is not entirely up to you. Amen? Because why? God loves your children. He loves them and he is on your side. Let me read a verse to you that's pretty popular in the parenting world. But Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. Train up a child in the way God would have your children to go. And when your child is older, he will not depart from it. What a great verse, no doubt. But I want you to know there are still no guarantees of the outcome of your children because at some point they make decisions, right? But here's the thought though. But as parents, we parent by faith. And we parent according to imparting biblical values and spiritual values into the hearts of our children. And when we do that, I believe that God will join you in your efforts. And with his help, your children will find God. And with his help, your children will live according to God's purpose and plan for their life. Because he's helping you through it. Now, listen, you're, you're not going to get everything right. And just because you had parents doesn't mean you know how to be a parent, right? And, and listen, just because you were a child doesn't mean you know how to raise one. And so we need a little help with this and you're not gonna get it right all the time. And, and listen, you're not gonna be a perfect parent. And, and that's why I want to bring up this last thing for you here in my encouragement to you is that would you do this? Would you forgive yourself for not being a perfect parent? You're not gonna be perfect. Harriet and I are not perfect. Listen, I'll, I'll tell you, Harriet was a great mama, a great mama, still is a great mama. I, to be, listen, I'm just bragging on me. I was a great daddy. I really was. I, I've, I've been great. I've done a good job. But, but also, I want you to know, far from perfect. And there have been moments that I've needed to forgive myself for my weaknesses and my failures in parenting. And, and, and just there's been been times that I, I've thought, man, I really blew that. I wished I had handled that better. I look back today and I think I wished I had, you know, taught them this and done that. And, and so, I mean, you can always go back to all of those, but, but I want to put us in a position of forgiveness. And Ephesians 4.32 says this, that we should be kind and compassionate to one another. And I'm going to say, be, be kind to yourself, forgiving each other just as Christ has forgiven you. He has forgiven you for those mistakes because that's who Christ is. He's a forgiver. And I'm so glad. I'll tell you a story just to let you know that your pastor up here isn't perfect. We, have, we do have great children and we did do a great job, but but not in perfection. And I'll, I'll tell you a story that really isn't a, a great story and, and I'm not a bit proud of it, but maybe it'll help you step into this moment with me. But I remember when Eli was probably, I don't know, like somewhere around six years old and we were going to jump in the car and go somewhere and, and I, I lost the end of my patience 
with him. You've ever done that? Like patience gone, like, and now what's left is, is something that's totally not appropriate. And now before I tell you how bad I am, I want to just give you a little heads up. He was not easy when he was little, all right? He was a strong-willed, tough, gosh, little fellow when he was little. I'm just telling you. He's really great now, and you can thank us for that. But in the early days, in the early days, um, when he turned like five years old, somewhere in that range, he determined he was significantly smarter than Harry and I, and he was here to train us. And I mean, he went after us a lot. And, and like one of his things was like, if we said to Eli, hey, we're leaving at two o'clock today. Well, I want you to know at 1.58, he would be by the door. And I don't know how we learned to tell, eight, tell time at like three years old, but he would be at the door two minutes before two. He'd be like, parents, disgusted with us. We're late. We'd be like, well, we're trying to find your daughter or your, your sister, you know, like, I mean, you know, so... And listen, Bailey's not here today, so I'm not picking on her. She's on a vacation, so, so I'm picking on Eli today. He's on front row. But listen, he wasn't easy, and, and um, so we get in this car, and, um, and, and I don't even know like, if it was appropriate age for him to be up in the front seat because he was a little fella, and so that's a whole other issue. But, but I, he was up here, and um, he was right beside me, and I, you know, he had been fussing about something and just doing his thing and, 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 and I don't know, he's probably telling me that I was late and I was probably going the wrong way. He was probably telling me the air conditioning was wrong. And, 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 and at some point I, I, I did, I, I, my, my patience finished. And in that moment, I did something that, that at this very moment, I can take myself and feel the regret of it. But what I was going to do was smack him on the leg to stop it. But what I did is I went like this, and when I did it, he flinched and turned from me. And in that moment, I realized I put fear of his daddy in his heart. Now, he thought I was going to, whether he deserved it or not. And when it happened, it, it gripped me because I saw in his eyes that the pull, that fear. I immediately pulled over the car. And I, I said to Eli, will you forgive me? I will never hit you. And I said, I want you to know your mom and I want to create the safe space for you. And you can always trust us. At some point along the way, he either forgave me or forgot it. I don't know, because he still likes me. And I made a decision, and we made a decision. We've always made this decision that we would never, we would never correct or discipline in our anger, because that's when it crosses lines. And so to every parent out there, I want you to know you're going to reach the end of your frustration too. That, that, that happens. I mean, just, you can't help it. I mean, just the tensions and the pressures and everything that's going on, you get there. But I want to encourage you today, never parent and correct out of anger. I believe that's when it steps into abuse. And so we always, at this point, learned that when we were going to correct their behavior, and, and, and by the way, in that same conversation, I did tell Eli, I won't ever correct you out of anger, but I will correct you. 
And so we, we decided then that we would always send them to their room, wait till we cooled off, and then we would go administer correction appropriately. And so I tell you that to say that you're not perfect, I'm not perfect, Harriet's not perfect, but by God's grace and his partnership with you, you can raise amazing children. Amen? Amen. So I I bring you into the story because I want you to trust that the things that I'm going to share with you come from experience as well, good ones and bad ones. And so I'm not preaching this today like I have it or we, she has it all figured out. I'm telling you, though, the word is true, and God will help us through it. All right, so with that, I want to give you 10 really great points of advice. And you're thinking, 10? Listen, they're going to be, all but the first one's going to be short. So um, if you catch this, I'll be a little longer in the first one. Don't panic. We'll get through this. I made it through first service on time pretty much. So, but um, number one, number one. Parent according to their ages. This is just good advice. A parent, accor- parent them according to their ages. And so you can see on the screen these different age groups. And so from zero to five years old, moms and dads, this is their season to train in obedience, to teach them obedience. And, and I want you to know it's way easier to teach a child obedience between zero and five than it is when they're in the teen years. And so this is when you begin to teach them right and wrong because there is a right and wrong in life. And if moms and dads don't teach their children right and wrong, they'll not understand it later until consequences teach them the hard way. And so I believe that as parents, our first five years are all about the obedience years and and just teaching them right and wrong. And so I want to say to you, moms and dads, when it comes to training in the obedience area, you must be consistent and fair with your rules and your punishment. So the punishment needs to fit the crime, but you need to be consistent. And also moms and dads have to be consistent on the same page. You can't have one being, you know, the, listen, you can't have good cop, bad cop at home. You can't, listen, you can't have, you know, like the the mama is the one that, that does all the correction and the daddy comes home and he's the fun one. Listen, you can't be that. Can I just talk to dads for a minute? Dads, listen up. Listen, your job is to parent. It's not just your wife's job to parent. Dads have to be involved in the children's lives. Dad has to raise the children. Dad has to be involved with the correction. Listen, if you let your wife do all the work, then you're gonna paint her to be the mean one while you're the good one, and that will bring disunity and chaos in your family. Amen? Amen, amen. Amen. Good word, good word, good word. But it's true. It's true. And so obedience, zero to five years. Six to 12 years is the training of their heart. We train their hearts. At this age, we're able, your children are able to learn the moral reason why we say do something. So zero to five, you obey because mama said so. And that's why. Why? Because I said so. And it's okay at some levels to say that. When they get to the six to 12 year old, now you're training their heart and you need to bring the moral reason why we are doing what we're doing. As parents, this takes way more time. It's way harder. It's, it, it's easier just to say, obey, do it. 
But when you get into these years, you need to talk to your children and help them understand why we're doing what we're doing. Because what you don't want is for them to become obedient without understanding the context around things. And so the reason why, as an example, when our children were younger, we, we taught them, do not run in crowded spaces. That's a good rule. Don't run in crowded spaces. We also said, don't run in the church lobby. And that could be just a rule. We could make that rule and walk on. But we took the next step and we said, and here's why. Because we value and honor other people around us. And if you're running around, you may bump into someone a little older than you and you may knock them down or hurt them. So now they understand the concept or the, the context of valuing people. This, I want my children to be able to determine, is this a good time to run or not? And if people around that they might bump into, then no. But let's say somebody is injured and they go, well, I can't run to help anybody. Listen, they didn't understand the context. If someone's injured, they better run. So you teach them moral, moral reason why. Another thing we taught our children, and we learned this out of a, a, a series called Growing Kids God's Way, but we learned about... Um, this moral reason why, and one of the illustrations was, is if you're, you know, walking like a park and there's a, a beautiful flower bed and all these flowers are there and you're with your, your little child and they run over and they, they pick some flowers and they start picking the flowers and they want to give them to mom because they love mama and it's all so sweet. And you think, well, that's so sweet. But we're not supposed to pick the flowers for two reasons. One is, is, you know, the rules say don't pick the flowers, so we don't pick the flowers. But the other thing is, is what about all the people that are coming in behind us that want to enjoy these flowers? And if you picked all the flowers, they don't get to enjoy the flowers also. And so we taught the moral reason why we do what we do. So parents in that age group, you're going to take a lot more talk time, but you train their hearts at that age level. Number three or the third level is 12 to 18-year-olds. And this is the coaching stage of life. This is coaching. We don't make every decision for our children at this age. We set appropriate guardrails and boundaries. But when our children are within those boundaries, we give them space to learn and grow. And we coach them before they go into a situation. But then they step in and they make decisions. And when they come out of that, they begin to either deal with the good decisions or the poor decisions at this stage and we're there to help them through it. So as an example, if, you, it's, you know, if it's prom night and your kids are going to the prom, uh, you got a, a little daughter and she's going to the prom and you might say, well, I wanna give you a little coaching up front. Here's what some people do at proms. We don't do that, we're Christians. And so you need to understand that before you get. So you give some coaching, but you give them boundaries. They go to the prom, they're gonna dance. And then you need to teach them that sometimes things happen after dances that you're not supposed to be a part of, amen? All right, just checking. You coach, you coach. Listen, at this stage, they learn through their actions the consequences of right and wrong. Because sooner or later, those consequences come. And it's better for them to be learning this while they're in your household than later on. The last stage here is the 19 plus years old. And this is the friendship stage. And hopefully as you have been through these stages with your children, 
they turn into your friends at some point. They turn into people that want to be with you and you want to be with them. And, and hopefully you get to that stage. But one thing I want to share with you on this friendship stage is don't mix up the order. You're a parent before you're a friend. God's called you to parent your children, not friend your children first. Amen? Amen. All right. Just, just so good, so good. Number two, number two, and it's going to go a little quicker now, so be sure you write this down. More is caught than taught. More is caught than taught. Uh, read your Bible, pray often in front of your children. Um, listen, your children are going to learn from what they see you do. They're going to see your priorities and they're going to follow what you do more than what you tell them. And so you can tell them to love God, but if you don't show them, then they won't believe it. And so I want to encourage you to pray for your children, pray with your children, take your children to church. You're here. Good job. But listen, make church a priority. Listen, no better place to, to demonstrate that your priority is to love God and worship him in your home, the second best place is by bringing your children to church. The Bible says in Deuteronomy eleven nineteen, teach your children, teach them to your children. Well, teach them the ways of God and talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Just, you gotta show your children, demonstrate your heart for God. Number three, develop open communication with your children. <clears throat> Listen, you, you've got to talk to your children and you've got to get them talking to you. You have to ask better questions. How was your day today? Fine. Ask a better question. Tell me your favorite part of your day today. Get them talking to you. And I want to encourage you to bring table time back. Like fix dinners again. Like it's okay to sit at a table. No, it's better. It's like Give them some nutrition too, by the way. Listen, McDonald's won't feed them, you know, nutrition. They'll fill them up, but bring them home and give them some veggies and make them eat it, you know, and talk about stuff around the table. Um, this week when I was working on my message, uh, I, I sat with uh, Gina Lambert, Pastor Gina Lambert, and because of the success of she and Ashley in raising their children, I was like, hey, what, what advice would you give me? And this was one of her, her pieces of advice and, you know, to sit around the table and talk about silly things. And so she gave me this quote. So this is a quote from, from Pastor Gina. And the quote is this. She said that the more we talk with our children about the things that don't matter, the more willing they will be to talk about the things that do matter. Give Gina a clap, would you? Number four, rules without relationship fosters rebellion. God doesn't give us rules apart from a relationship with him. If all we do is set rules, then rules become the way they relate to us. And at some point, they will rebel against the rules. And so we must develop a great relationship with our children. And so I'm encouraging parents to to play with your children, have fun with your children, throw the ball with your children, dance with your, I don't dance with my kids. Maybe Harriet did while I was gone, but dance with your kids, go for walks, but be present in the present and invest your time in your children. Time, that's how you build relationship with children. It's with time. Be present. Get off your phone and enjoy time with your children. Don't post. Don't 
feel the pressure to post every experience with your children. Listen, you, it doesn't matter what other people think. It only matters about you and your family and, and what you're doing there. Amen. Number five, amusement is not your highest priority. Life does not have to revolve around your children's entertainment. It's quite okay, friends, to have an average day with your kids. It's, it's just perfectly great to have a normal day. You don't have to get up every day and think, well, this has to be an ice cream party day for my kids. It doesn't, it doesn't. They don't have to have ice cream every day. Listen, some days are just days we do chores. Some days are just days we do homework. Some days are days mama doesn't feel so great and so we're just gonna chill out today. Some days are entertainment days, but not every day is a day of entertainment. Don't train your children to think that every day is fun and games. Listen, they'll grow up that way and then they won't know how to get a job one day. Wow, that's good. We did this thing with our kids um, because uh, Harriet wanted our kids to eat healthy all the time. And, but so we came up with Saturday cereal day. It was fun cereal day. And so it was Saturday cereal and they knew that on Saturday they got to eat peanut butter crunch. All the rest of the days they had to eat something healthy. And so I loved, I loved cereal day too, um, it was great. <laughs> She wouldn't let me eat anything else either. But, but listen, but we taught them that, that most days is about getting things done and, and just living life and being normal. And, but there were days of celebration. And if you'll have normal days, it makes celebration days all the better. Number six, parents call the shots. You are the parent. Imagine that. Hey, listen, uh, parents, don't be afraid of your children. And what I mean by that is, is sometimes parents are afraid to set the boundaries and they're afraid to, to correct their children because they're afraid their children won't like them. They're afraid if I, if I bring this discipline, they're gonna, they're gonna not like me today. They're gonna, they're gonna struggle with that and they're gonna, they're gonna you know, maybe even pull away from me a little bit. And so some parents parent out of their emotions rather than the, the calling that God has. And, and don't be afraid of parenting your children. And if they don't like you for a minute, it's okay. You weren't called to be liked by your kids. You were called to raise your children. And while I'm just here on this area of parents call the shots, a cell phone is a privilege, not a right. I know everyone else, and listen, everyone else, maybe. You're just not everyone else. You're part of the kingdom of God, and you have higher priorities. And so it's not a right for them to have a cell phone. When they are age appropriate and they've proven their ability to make good decisions, then you can start allowing things into their life. And just like that, I'm gonna just say one more. You all right? You, okay? you ready? Privacy is a privilege, not a right. Parents, you get to go in your kid's bedroom and you get to go see what's going on in there. You get to look on their computer and find out what in the world is going on in your child's life. I'm sorry, kids. 
Your day's coming. You can raise your kids and you can break their privacy from time to time as well. Listen, we have to protect our children. Number seven, think long-term as a parent. Parenting isn't to keep them for life, but to prepare them for life. And so you've got to impart the long-term values. You need to teach them things like honesty and respect and honor and hard work. Teach them integrity and purity and responsibility. Teach them compassion and, and, and teach them why like capitalism is better than socialism. Like teach them things like that. <laughs> Listen, you know I'm gonna throw a few things in. It's all good. Number eight, correct in private, praise in public. Correct in private, praise in public. Correcting your child in public will humiliate them and it will shut their heart off from you. Use your words in public to build and motivate your children and save the correction time for home. When you're in the grocery store, don't call out your kids and tell them that they're awful. Never, never say that anyway, but listen, don't do it in the grocery store. Listen, take your correction for home. Use your words to build your children. Uh, another quick story, when Eli was in middle school on the soccer team and, and I did my very best to never miss a soccer game I, I loved to watch him play as much as anything and Bailey as well and I loved it and I was there. But, but also I just saw the value of, of time and my kids needed to see me on the fence and, and yelling at the referee for them. I'm advocating for them. That's what I did. But, but on one of the ride homes one day, Eli again in the seat. Now I've matured a lot at this point and so I wasn't gonna, you know, this. I, I determined to always be a, a lifter and so he got in the car and, and, and again, I told him how proud I was of him and all the things he did good. And I said, I like the way you did that. And I liked that shot. And, and finally he said, dad, stop it. He said, you've told me how good I am. Tell me something I did wrong. And I grinned from ear to ear because I realized I had finally reached a point where he had heard me tell him how proud I was of him more than he'd heard me tell him what he did wrong. Amen. Number nine, honor your marriage. I know there are a lot of single moms and dads out there and, and maybe this doesn't fully apply to you. I get that. Um, but I will say to you that if you'll honor God as your husband, um, as your intimate relationship with God, then God can use that in a very similar way. But I will say to the married folks in the house, honor your marriage because you're going to be married to this person after your children leave. Like one day they're gonna say bye-bye and mom and dad are gonna be on the couch and they're gonna look at you and go, who are you? Where have you been for the last 18 years? And like, do I even know you? And when did you start looking like that? And I mean, you know, like, <laughs> like you have wrinkles, when did they show up? Listen, you, you gotta build that relationship there. And even in a greater sense, children find their security knowing mom and dad are in love and they are, they are together and, and they find their security in that. And so honor your marriage. And number 10, as I close, worship team, if you wanna make your way on the platform. I got through it pretty quick, wouldn't you say, church? Yeah, you can clap for that, good job, Tim. 
But this one, I want you to hear me. This one, I want you to hear me. So as the worship team's coming up here, don't pay attention to them. Listen, number 10, our children need us to fight for them. How to raise amazing children in the 21st century and in the current cultural worldview is so difficult right now. Your children need you. They need you paying attention. They need you to fight for them. And they need you to, to be completely aware of what's happening around us. If you want to if you want to keep the rights and the freedoms to raise your children in faith and according to biblical values and to raise your children to serve and follow Jesus, then I highly recommend to you to become hyper aware of the worldview that's against you, the family, and your children. As an example, right now, like this isn't some, you know, way off thing. Right now, in the state of Washington, a bill has been proposed. You can look it up under the Senate Bill 5599. It says children can stay at a licensed youth shelter without their parents' knowledge while seeking medical treatments like gender transitioning services and medications. There is an agenda against families today. That worldview is a worldview that says that Christian parents don't know what's best for their children and the state does. And I am adamantly opposed to that thought. Amen. Our president recently said this, and I quote, there is no such thing as someone else's child. Our nation's children are all of our children. Meaning that the responsibility is not just on the parent, but it's part of government. A few years ago, Hillary Clinton wrote a book and she made a famous statement. She didn't, she didn't start the quote, but she said that it takes a village to raise a child. And I want you to, I want you to understand the, the logic behind that. If she's saying that parents need so much help that the government has to step in. And I want you to know that it does not take a village to raise a child. It takes a parent to raise a child. God gave you that child. He gave you that child to raise. And that's your responsibility. And you better fight for it. For weeks when I opened up YouTube, every time I'd open up YouTube, there was a suggested video on the side. And that suggested video said for weeks, Click here to find out how gay you are. It's an indoctrination. We have to fight for our children. And I don't mean, you know, box them out. Now, if somebody comes and gets your child, you probably will. But you need to be involved in the PTA. 
You need to know what people say they're going to do in, in Congress. And you need to know when they say they're going to do that, you probably ought to believe them. And we need to vote for people who are best uphold godly values. Your children are worth the fight. Parents, get in the fight. Stand for your kids and know what's going on so we don't lose this generation. I close with this final verse. Judges 2.10 says, After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. We're looking at an Old Testament scripture where a generation of parents did not fight for their children. A generation allowed the cultures that were not of God to come into their culture and that culture began to disciple their children and the parents let it go and as a result, that next generation did not know and honor God. We cannot be that generation. You are called to parent your children today. And I stand with you, but more importantly, our God will back you up every time. Amen, church. I'm going to pray for parents in just a moment. Before I do, though, I want to invite you, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, that today's the day of salvation for you. If you've never had your sins forgiven. It, listen, I talked about the, my mistakes and I talk about my mistakes often because I, I'm so understanding of God's grace. But if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, you're, you're not in the, the grace, you're not in that place of forgiveness. All of us have made mistakes, you've made mistakes, I've made mistakes and we need the forgiveness that can only come from Jesus Christ. And when you surrender your life to Jesus, he forgives you of all your sins. And you are then made righteous, you're made clean and you have a relationship with our heavenly father. And without this moment of saying, God, I surrender my life to Jesus, then you are not forgiven. And this morning I wanna give you that opportunity. So would you bow your heads? And if you've never made a decision to surrender your life to Jesus and you're ready to do that today, would you just immediately raise your hand right now and say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus today. I want my sins forgiven. Is there anybody in the house? I don't want to miss you. I'm not going to linger, but take the moment. I want to surrender. Father, we thank you for this day. I thank you for every person's house, but God, I pray specifically for parents. If you're a parent, would you raise your hand? Kids in your house, raise your hand. Father, thank you for every parent. God, bless them. Give them strength. Give them wisdom, God. God, empower us by your spirit so that we can parent our children according to biblical values. And God, help us to be aware of what's going on so that we can fight appropriately for our children. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet with me? We're gonna close with worship. And in this moment of worship, I would love for you to respond to what God is saying and doing in your life. Our prayer team will be against the sides. If you 
prayer team would go ahead and go there. If you need prayer for anything in your life, if you need prayer for maybe you're a parent and you're like, boy, I could use some extra prayer, go. Maybe your older parents are in bad health and you want to pray for them. Maybe you have an exam. Maybe there's something going on. Go get prayer. That's what a church body does. We pray for one another. If you want to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ and maybe you missed that moment, go to one of these people and say, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to surrender. They'll pray with you. Communion is in the back corners. There's two tables back there. If you're new with us, you're welcome and invited to go take communion. There's a little cup there. It's got some bread, it's got some juice and the bread represents the body of Jesus Christ. The juice represents his blood that was shed for us. Because of that, we're saved and forgiven and go appreciate what Christ did. You may just wanna stay at your seat and just pour your heart into worship. My only request is if you can stay in the room with us, engage. And let's respond to God together. So you're free at this point to go get prayer, go get communion or stay in worship.